You're listening to The Riverwalk, a ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today's message is about Thanksgiving, how we can experience true Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoy. We're going to be in a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament this morning. If you could find it, it's in the book of 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 7. I love Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite times of the year when we get to get together and we get to express our gratitude and show our gratitude. But if I'm being honest, as a pastor, it's hard for me to try to come up with something fresh and something kind of new for a Thanksgiving service. And that's a good thing because I think as Christians it's just our natural it's just our natural reaction to show gratitude. Like Trisha said, not only on Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving week, but every day of the year. And this Bible is full of example of men and women alike giving thanks. It's full of Thanksgiving stories. But my mind this week went to this story in the Old Testament about King David and a story about giving thanks. A story about wanting to show your thanks. A story that starts off one way and ends a different way. And there's several things I relate to in this 2 Samuel chapter 7. The same story can be found in 1 Chronicles 17 if you like that version better. But in 2 Samuel chapter 7, we're going to read through it and and talk about it. But I want you to, to recognize some things. This is a story really about Thanksgiving. It starts off with David wanting to do something. And it ends with David, all he does is literally just give thanks and just thank God for what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. In this story, we're going to read about what we have to be thankful for, and we're going to read how to give that thanks. Here in 2 Samuel, King David finds himself, he finally has a break. Kind of like this week, we finally get a break At least from those of you that are in school, you finally get a school break. Many of you that that have jobs, you at least get Thanksgiving Day off, hopefully. And you get a break, and you get to look around, and you get to think about God's blessing. Well, that's what happens here in 2 Samuel. All through 1 Samuel and to the beginning of 2 Samuel, you see David raised up from a shepherd boy. We know the story of David and Goliath. And then you read on about David and King Saul, and you read about how he's running for his life. And then the first part of Second uh, Samuel, still battles are going on, and it's just a chaotic time. And then, you know, we get to this point, and finally David gets to a really good place. The kingdom of northern Israel and Judah, they're together, they're united and no longer divided. David is in his palace or in his suite, his house. And David gets a minute to look around and he gets a minute to think about his blessings. And he makes an observation of how good he's got it. And then he looks and he sees where God is living in the Ark of the Covenant. And his heart's a little bit troubled by that. And David wants to do more than just say thank you. He wants to do something for God. And that's where we pick up the story in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So let's read how this comes to be. It says, Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies 
all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt. Even to this day, but I have moved about in a tent, in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel, saying, Whom I commanded to shepherd my people, Israel saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheephold, the following, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people over Israel. And I have been with you everywhere you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies before you, and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever I will be his father and he shall be my son if he commits iniquity I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men but my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul whom I have removed before you and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. So you see, David starts off, and like I said, he was troubled. And he says, look, I'm living in a house of cedar. Things are really good. And yet I see the Ark of the Covenant. I see God over there going from tent to tent behind curtains. And it doesn't say it, but... You see what's going on here. David wants to build God a temple. David wants to get up and instead of just saying thank you, he wants to do something. And Nathan says, go do all that's in your heart. You Go ahead, David. But then it happened that night that God says, hey, I, I haven't asked for this. And one day I'll get this, but it's not in the cards for you, David. I don't want you to build me this house. I've got a different plan for you. There's an important lesson in that. It's good to give thanks, and it's good to give thanks by doing. But make sure whatever you're doing is in God's plan. This Thanksgiving and every Sunday, we look around and we see things that seem so unjust. And we rush and we want to do something. But the truth is, it may not be in God's plan for you to do what you want to do. It may not be in the cards for you to be a preacher it may not be in the cards for you to be a teacher, to be a missionary, to even start a Bible study group. Don't attempt to go and do something that God isn't behind. It's an important reminder that God's got a plan for you. The question that we should be asking is, is not, God, what, what am I going to do for you? It should be, God, what do you want for me? What do you have planned for me? What can I do for you? What do you want me to do? Because God's got a specific plan for each and every person in here. 
And not only that, not only that, you read through it and it becomes clear. Not only has he got a plan for you, he's got a plan for your children and even your grandchildren. He's got a plan lined up way in the future that you may not even realize. If you feel led to do something, folks, take it up with God first. Take it up with God first. God's got a plan. We need to trust in God's plan, even when it doesn't make sense. A lot's changed since last Thanksgiving. I'm just amazed. Last Thanksgiving, when, when I preached, I had no idea that, that Esther would be here. What an amazing turn of events. There might be somebody new here next year. Who knows? Who knows? God knows. So when we look at this story, God reminded David of some things. And really, this story is meant for those that have been called, those that have submitted to God's will, those that can call themselves sons or daughters of God. Here's what I want you to realize what we had to be thankful for. Thanksgiving comes from being reminded of what God has done for us. God took a minute and he reminded David of what he had done for David. In verse 8 and verse 9, he says, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone. Thanksgiving comes from being reminded of what God has done from us. I don't know your backstory. I don't know this Thanksgiving what you'll have a hard time giving thanks for. But I know for every child of God, for each and every one of us, if you have been adopted into the family of God, then this has taken place in your life just like it did for David. He chose you. I mean, realize that just like he chose David. Of all the sheep in the world, in the whole wide world, even right here in Franklin Parish, he chose you. He chose you to serve him. And he may not have chosen you just like he didn't choose David to build a temple. He may not have chosen you to be a preacher. He may not have chosen you to be a teacher. He may not have chosen you to be a grandmother or a mom. He may not have chosen you to do any of those things. But he chose you for something specific. Thank God for what he's done for you. If all he has given to you is salvation, well, my goodness, isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? He could have placed you anywhere in the world. You know there are Christians gathered together in some places of the world right now that are scared to death for their life. But out of all the places in the world he could have placed you, he placed you right here in America, right here in Liddyville. I shouldn't need to remind you of this, but I can't go a Thanksgiving service without it. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And not just die, but die a humiliating death. Die on an old rugged cross. Die a horrible death for you, for your sins, and even the sins that you keep secret that even your wife, your children, and nobody else knows but you. Jesus died for those sins. Man, don't forget that. He's broken the chains and set you free. I don't care what your past looks like. If, if you are saved and you're a child of God, at one point in your life, you were bound up in sin. And Jesus said, here's the key. I'm taking those shackles off. 
I love what Trisha said about, about a church family. He's blessed you. He's blessed you with a family. And you know, some people don't have that. Some people don't have a mother. Some people don't have a, a father present. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't, don't know what it's like to have children. But you're here this morning. And if you're a child of God, you've got a heavenly father that is absolutely perfect. And not only that, if you're a child of God, you've got brothers and you've got sisters in Christ that are there to hug on you, there to love on you, there when a house burns down, down there when a mother passes away or a grandmother dies, there when a sister gets cancer. Thank God for our church family. Thank God for our immediate family. But thank God for our Heavenly Father. And thank God for our church family. I'll remind you this morning that, that God's been right there with you through the good times and the bad times. That's, what it, that's basically what God was saying in verse 9. I've been with you wherever you've gone. Wherever you've gone. And David, he had been through some pretty rough times at this point. Just go back and read in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. Running for his life, worried about what tomorrow is going to hold. And God just reminds him, says, hey David, I've been with you wherever you've gone. I have been right there with you and I believe I believe if God could be here this morning he would tell each and every one of you that right here I've been with you wherever you've gone since the moment you've accepted me as your savior I've protected you I've loved you I've adopted you into my family and I've got great plans for you but it's not only about what God's done praise the Lord God's not done yet God's done great things for us God's done great things for you Hopefully everybody here has accepted the great gift of salvation. And I cannot stress it enough, folks, if you haven't, if you haven't, then man, do it this morning. Because you'll never know what true thanksgiving is like without it. But it's not only about, thanksgiving isn't only about what God has done. But it's also about what God is doing and what he will do. If you look in, in verse 10 through, through verse 12. He says, moreover, I will. David, listen, I've done all this and let me tell you something. Moreover, I will. I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up a seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He's telling David right here, listen, David, you've seen all I've done for you and you see right now the house you're living in, but you can't even begin to comprehend the things I'm going to do long after you are dead and laying down with your fathers. Folks, it's a great promise that even if I were to die today, God's not done yet. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God has done great things and he's still doing great things. And God's got great things ahead for you and ahead for me. Listen, he's promised you heaven. He's promised you hope. He's promised you peace. All of that is lined up. I don't care where you're at in your walk with Christ right now. But if you're walking with Christ, he's promised you those things. I mean, thank God for the fact that one day, one day there will be no more prayer lists because there will be no more sickness. 
One day there will be no more tears because there will be no more hurt. One day there will be no more sorrows. One day there will be no more stress. One day there will be no more pain. That is a hope I have because I have Jesus. And that day is coming for His children. That day is coming for everybody here. We've all, as children of God, have a reason to give thanks for that. And listen... The day is coming and the day is coming soon. I just absolutely cannot believe that it is the last Sunday in November. Every, every week I get behind this pulpit and I'm just so shocked at how fast time is going by. But let me tell you something. I shouldn't be because time is going by quick. And it's going to go by faster and faster for each and every one of us, that day is coming soon. Be thankful for what's to come. This week, if, if we decide to go, it'll be the first Thanksgiving at my grandmother's house that my grandmother's not there. And oh, it, it breaks my heart that my grandmother won't be there this Thanksgiving. But listen, I'm so thankful for the hope and the promise that I'll get to see her again one day. Praise the Lord. For the things that are yet to come. Praise the Lord that one day I'll be able to look back on all this and say, Man, I thought I had some things to be thankful for then. But it has nothing to be compared with what I've got now. God reminded David of those things. And God made, it's, it's a covenant God made with David. And I would say... If you're a child of God, God's made a covenant with you. He said, hey, I'm taking you in. I'm adopting you into my family. I'm giving you hope. I'm giving you peace. And I'm giving you eternal life. I'm building a house for you. And before you know it, you'll be here with me. So what's the response to these things? What's the response? David could have said, well, now I'm definitely going to build you a house. Or now I'm definitely going to go to the temple. But what happened... After these things, it wasn't a matter of doing something. It was of doing something physically. It was a matter of thanksgiving. So let's read the rest of the chapter now. Beginning in verse 18, it says, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight. O Lord God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the nation on the earth, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for himself a name, and to do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land before your people, who you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations and their gods. For you have made your people Israel your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. Now, O Lord God, the Lord, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant, and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. 
So let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord, have spoken it, and with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. This was David's thanksgiving to God. I look at this. What does my thanksgiving need to look like? What does the biblical model of thanksgiving look like? I go back to David, a man after God's own heart. A man who, like all of us who are born-again Christians, a man who was basically a nobody, picked up and placed into a place of importance. And here David is, and you see David's model of thanksgiving. This thanksgiving, I want you to remember David, and I want to remind you that true thanksgiving, true thanksgiving begins with humility. In verse 18, David asked the question, Who am I, O Lord God? Who am I? And let me just remind you, who, who was David? David was a mighty king. David, like I said earlier, David was the one who ended the civil war. David was the one who united the kingdom. David had it going on. David could have had anything he wanted. But yet he got to the point and he heard the voice of God. And he came to a point of humility and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? He was reminded of the fact that just like you and just like me, regardless of how much money you have in the bank account or how little money you have in the bank account, regardless if you have a big nice truck or if you're just riding a bicycle, at the end of the day, he was reminded that each and every one of us was just a sinner in need of grace. Who am I? Who am I? I'm a sinner. I'm somebody that deserves hell. That's who I am. Who are you? You are the same thing. Remember this Thanksgiving. All the times. All the times that you've let God down. All the times that you've lied. All the times that you've skipped out on coming to His house. All the times that, that you may have stole. All the times that you may have polluted your body. All the times that you put your will above His. Remember all that. And remember that He loved you so much. He died for you in spite of that. That's where thanksgiving begins. Remember, in spite of all that, He's adopted you into His kingdom. He's made you a child of the King and He is building you a place in heaven. True thanksgiving begins with humility. Who are you? Who are you? True thanksgiving comes by remembering not only who you are, it comes by remembering who God is. In verse 22, David displays this. He says, Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Thanksgiving comes by remembering who God is. You know, sometimes, sometimes we tend to forget who God is. Sometimes we do good at remembering who we are. 
And then we forget who God is. We, we get faced with something that just looks impossible. We get faced with, with something that just brings so much on us. And sometimes we just we forget who God is and how powerful He is. David didn't do that. He says, you're great, O Lord God. There's none like you, nor is there any God beside you. Let me tell you, let me remind you this Thanksgiving. There is no one or nothing like the God we serve. Verse 26, he says, let your name be magnified forever. No one's like the God we serve. Let us magnify his name forever. Let us remember his thoughts aren't like our thoughts and his ways aren't like our ways. And I can't answer the question. I will never be able to answer the question why bad things happen to good people. I'll never understand why a child suffers with cancer even though they've got good parents. I'll never understand those questions, but guess what? Who is like our God? Nobody's like our God. He's on the throne. He's in control, and I'm so thankful it's Him and not me. Don't forget who God is. And here's the last part of this. True thanksgiving. True thanksgiving is saying thank you. True thanksgiving is remembering who you are and remembering who God is. But true thanksgiving, more than that, comes by submitting to God's will in His life, in your life. Verses 28 to 29, it says, And now, O Lord God, You are God, and Your words are true, and You have promised this goodness to Your servant. Now, therefore, let it please You to bless the house of Your servant, that You may continue before You forever, for You O Lord God, have spoken it, and with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. David was happy to oblige by God's plan for his life. At this point in his life, David could have said, oh, Okay, God, but I'm still going to build you that temple. I'm still going to do this for you. But no, David didn't do that. David just said, Okay, that's your plan. This is what you want to do. I, if you're going to bless me long after I'm gone and that's what you want to do, I'm going to do it. David was happy to oblige by God's plan. Are you this Thanksgiving? Are you happy to say this morning, just like Jesus Christ said, Thy will be done. Are you really willing to say that? Thanksgiving comes by just saying, Okay, God, it's not the way I would do things. I wouldn't want to deal with this. I don't want to be at this spot. I would rather do this. But God, I know who I am and I know who you are. So if that's the way you want it, then so be it. That's what Thanksgiving looks like. Are you happy to submit to God's plan? Submit to Him this morning by, by following His plan for your life. Following His plan for your life. Yes, Lord, I know. I know that I know that I know that it's your will that I become part of the body of Christ. I absolutely know that's, that's part of your will because your body says it. Yes, Lord, I know that it's part of your will. If I had my way, I'd, I'd accept you. I wouldn't be baptized. I wouldn't join a church. I'd do it my way. But listen, I know your way is better. So from now on, I'm going to follow your way. Listen, if, if it was my way, you know what? I would Maybe I'd join the church. Maybe I'd get baptized. But you know what? It would end there. I wouldn't follow Jesus. I'd follow Him on Sunday and do my thing during the week. That's not being very thankful, folks. Being thankful is saying, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. Wherever He leads, I'll go. 
I know Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. And that cross is heavy and sometimes I don't want to do it. But guess what? He knows better than me. I know who I am and I know who he is. And I don't want to share with others, but if God leads me to do it, then I need to do it. God, it's your will that I teach my children what you've done for me. It's your will that I give them my all, my everything, because you gave your all and your everything to me. I love looking at this story of David. And you can go on and you'll realize that David was far from perfect. But this story reminds us of what we have to be thankful for. And it shows us how to give that thanks. Thanks for listening to the Riverwalk today. I hope the message was clear and you understood it, looking at the example of David. I hope this Thanksgiving you decide to give thanks to God by actually doing something, but before you do, I hope you make sure it's part of God's plan. I hope this Thanksgiving that you're reminded of what God has done for us, all the many blessings He's done for you and your family. I hope you know not only what God has done, but what He's doing and what He will do. And when you look at those things, I hope it brings a sense of humility. I hope you remember who you are. And I hope you remember who God is. And I hope that you leave this Thanksgiving by submitting to God's will for your life. By doing whatever He tells you to do, going wherever He tells you to go. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and I hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving.